This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Amazing people that aren't us. Each year our nation celebrates the achievements and contributions of eminent Australians through the Australian of the Year Awards by profiling leading citizens who are role models for us all. They inspire us through their achievements and challenge us to make our own contribution to creating a better Australia. Well, Sue Lennox has just been awarded the New South Wales Senior Australian of the Year for her work as an environmental educator and she joins us on Hope Breakfast today. Hello, Sue. Hello, how lovely to be with you. Oh, congratulations on the big win. (laughs) Thank you very much. Now, so let's uh, kind of take a journey back a little bit here. Um, You were a teacher for many years. What happened when you were teaching at Freshie High? Um, So what happened at Freshie High was that there was a major pollution event on Curl Curl Lagoon and the school just sits on the edge of of that area um, that saw tens of thousands of fish floating dead on the water. And and one of the things that's concerned me, you know, since the 70s when I began teaching is the level of despair about the future that I see in young people. And so, you know, that's kind of been my life journey to work out ways of shifting that despair into informed action and passionate action. So this pollution event became an opportunity to put those skills um, into practice and I just saw this amazing group of... um, you know, 15, 16-year-olds come up with really practical, smart ideas for ways that we could influence our community and create change. Yeah, can, we, can I press in on that? I'd love to know more about what exactly those ideas were that those kids came up with. Well, there were about 100 different ideas that they came up with, but we zeroed in on four that we felt that we could achieve over a period of 12 months. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially that was... Um, to begin monitoring the actual river health of of that system so that we could actually talk to the science of water quality and have an informed conversation. Um, We decided that we needed to go out and interview the 1,500 businesses um, in the Brookvale industrial area around the school. Um, And they also decided to make a video about what they were doing and how we could look after the environment. Now, bear in mind, I'm talking 1990, so it was some time ago. Now, next stop after that, you find yourself in India working on the Ganges River. What did you learn from there? Uh, Look, that was a remarkable experience. And I have to say that actually, you know, the learning from working with young people, I think there were three really important things. One is the importance of being informed and having that citizen science base. The second is that this process enables young people to shift into becoming leaders and they had a huge impact on their community. So young people are very effective um, educators and motivators of adults. And essentially, you know, that whole process went to places that I never imagined was possible and we were invited to go to India to see what we could do to help with the Clean Ganges campaign. And we headed over there with a whole lot of water testing equipment and for the first time actually measured what the pollution levels were um, in the River Ganges at Varanasi. And, And that was the most heartbreaking experience for me because on the one hand there's this incredible beauty and and visceral sacredness Mm. um, of place and at the same time unbelievable pollution levels you know we were measuring fecal coliforms ranging from 50,000 up to 5 million 
per 100 mils of water. Now, the Australian standard is zero for drinking and less than 150 for bathing. Mm. And I was watching people come down to do their prayers. I was watching children and adults coming out and drinking straight from the river. And a very quick bit of research showed massive infant mortality rate associated with that water pollution, you know, of one in 10 children under two don't make it. It's extraordinary. I mean, it starts in freshwater and you see a lagoon. It takes you to the Ganges, which is, you know, one of the arguably most famous rivers on the planet. Um, I feel like that this kind of really solidified a desire within you to kind of become, uh, you know, an environmental warrior, a climate change warrior, uh, to the point where kind of you put put your money where your mouth is and sold your home to start up an organisation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Hmm. Look, um, we realised I was there with my my beautiful late husband, Colin, um, you know, and we've had the delight of working together for 46 years. Um, We realised that the work that we began in Australia had a global application that we'd never even imagined. And, And in just listening to that still small voice, within there was a clear call that this was our life's work and and so it took us you know over the coming 12 months to talk about it with our kids and really sit with it ourselves and we just went yep you know we've got to actually support ourselves to do this and the way that we could do that was by really reducing our need for income so that meant you know selling the house and moving our family in with Cole's mum and setting up Oz Green in her garage. We're talking to uh, the New South Wales Senior Australian of the Year, Sue Lennox, about um, her incredible work. Sue, can you tell us more about what Oz Green does and, and the goals of what it's trying to achieve? Look, the main thing for us, and I just feel it's so critical in these times, what we do, we have such an important contribution to make. Our goal is that we face the facts we really look straight down the barrel at what's happening on the world. And so all our programs start um, with a presentation we call Pulse of the Planet, which is literally, you know, what's going on that we need to be paying attention to. And that on its own would send everyone into deep despair. And it is a shocking experience. But at the same time, what we do is then process that, you know, it's like, so how does this affect you? What are you seeing in your own lives? How do you feel about this? And the number of young people that say to me, this is the first time anyone has listened to me as I talk about what the impact of living in these times is. When we've kind of grounded in understanding what's going on, we then shift into what's the world we want to be part of and how do we create that world Mm. and what can you actually see yourself doing. So once we're grounded, we then shift to being you know solution focused and vision focused and everything we do from that point in time is about creating you know a world based on peace and love sue i I love this but it you know i i look at the ipcc which is the you know the un intergovernmental panel set up for climate change and we're dealing with fractions of a degree and we're so close to a tipping point and i think to myself that small change I'm making at home, is it is it having an impact and is it connecting with my community? I mean, on some level, you can't help but walk away feeling a little bit fearful and a little bit despairing, despite the clown Absolutely. horn in the background. And that's the whole point. 
to yeah. understand that feeling like that is a totally appropriate response to what's happening now. It's not about la 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 la, isn't it great? It's actually realizing that we have the hugest challenge probably in the history of life on earth before us right now. And despair is a completely appropriate response. The important thing is to make the call that I will not allow my life to be driven by this despair. And actually, in the coming together and finding that you're part of a community of people who share this feeling, um, it is, it's something that generates hope, but, but it generates the energy. You know, if you actually allow yourself to tune into what that despair is and the energy that it is, there is immense power in that. And the only reason we feel that is of our, it's our deep love for the earth expressing itself to us Mm. and so if you understand that that's a reflection of your deep love and your deep connection that becomes a source of immense power what i struggle with so i i I think back to we've had a terrible summer of bushfires so far and it's not directly affected by them yes yeah and summer's not even finished like we've still got a month or even more to go and i think Mm. back to new year's eve when um, the the fires were raging down the south coast. People were being evacuated on that day, and then we we finished the year with that in our minds as we celebrated fireworks on Sydney Harbour. And I just thought, this is the one time where I just feel like I struggle to celebrate. Like I just don't mm. know. I'm feeling for all these people who can't even watch a TV to watch the fireworks. It's hard. How do you not feel despair? Um, you, you of course we feel despair. Yeah, I mean part of it. I mean, and it's been. You know, like, yes, I understand that's a completely appropriate response to what's going on. Mm. But the important thing is there's a level of self-discipline, but there's also tuning into it and understanding that within that despair there is also great power for change. And, um, you know, my my dear husband died just three years ago and I've learned a lot about grief, um, you know, in the recent years. And, and the thing is that love persists and, you know, it's that that we need to tune into. And, and you, know, I, you know, as a child I made a decision that I was not going to allow my life to be driven by fear. Um, it's present, it's there, the grief is there, the despair is there, but I choose to not have it overpower me. Rather I choose to draw power from it to fuel why I get up out of bed every morning and why I'm so determined and persistent in what I do. You know, I think about everything you say and and, and the power of young people to influence change. I think Greta Thunberg has really become a um, lightning rod for the the conversations around climate change. Um, I also think that you see this um, tiny house movement, which really is a kind of response to uh, overextending our footprint, I guess, as a person. Um, and they're all led by young people, do you know? And I, I think yes. I think that the the idea that yes, you can feel despair, but that despair should motivate you to action. Um, and we see that in schools all across the world, protesting climate change and taking days off school to do that. In in your opinion, as an educator, is that the best way forward, or are there other things that we could be doing to inspire change? Look, um, good question. Look. It's absolutely essential and it's been totally amazing to watch the impact that young people are having. 
um, and it's a necessary and important step, but it is not a sufficient step because what it's doing is it's calling on other people to be the change, you know, to do the work um, rather than us going, yeah, we're going to call for action and we're going to mirror in our every lives. And we use the term one planet living. If everyone lived like we do in Australia, we'd need five planets. And I encourage everyone to get out there and measure their ecological footprint and make a commitment to get it down to what we call one planet living. And that is a very powerful thing. But the other thing is that as you move beyond what am I going to do in my own life, that creates a space for community organising. And so we're always working at both of those levels. How do we change our own lives? That creates systems. Um, but also how do we change our community and come together to tackle these challenges? Because we have got to reinvent the way we live on this earth. And I suspect we are not going to see leadership um, on this, except when we see community leadership. So in that process, um, we're actually creating the kind of world that we want to be part of. Do you think it's feasible for Australia to, I don't know, let's say in the next five years, shut down all coal, coal plants and start a completely renewable energy system here in Australia? Look, it's it's completely doable and it's a completely necessary thing. And it was interesting, I was reading an article on the ABC this morning saying that the decisions are being made in boardrooms across the world that coal is dead. And it's a really big blind spot for this country for us to keep on thinking that we can keep exporting coal or keep, you know, expanding our exports. The IPCC is saying we've got to leave 95% of fossil fuel reserves in the ground. And we cannot do it. But economically, that's the turner. It's no longer economically feasible. The damage associated with coal is so severe and it's more expensive than renewables. It's like, it's crazy. And what we need from our government is leadership for the communities that rely on coal to enable them to shift to being leaders in renewable energy. And, you know, that's my vision and it's been one of the things um, that I'm really advocating for. And I go, let's start in New South Wales, let's see New South Wales as leaders of change. You know, the recent um, reports around the Global Sustainability Index, Australia rated 163 out of 166 countries. Mm. So I don't think we could be any worse. So I go, turn the curve, we've got the capacity we need to become leaders and let's make it start, you know, in our own state and our own communities. Can I ask, uh, before we wrap up, um, Sue, about One Planet Living? Because mm. I'd never heard that yeah. term before and I think it's something really important that starts with each and every one of us. Absolutely, yeah. How, how, well, do, how do we do it? What, what do we need to be doing? Well, look, first step is go and measure your ecological footprint and, you know, just Google um, eco footprint. There's plenty of measurers on, the, um, on Google, on the web. Um, and then once you've done that, you'll get appointed to the areas of your life that are the biggest users of energy um, and the biggest contributors. But, you know, if I'm going to give you what are my top five, top five is radically reduce meat in your diet, shift to eating much, much more fresh, local grown, you know, vegetarian food, get your own veggie gardens going, get onto public transport and on a bike, get renewable energy onto your rooftop. Um, or you can switch to green energy, you know, just by buying it through energy providers. Those will be my, my top ones. Fantastic. 
Sue, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. This has been fantastic. One more thing. Oh, okay. Uh, we've we've just launched um, an appeal to get Green out working with the bushfire-affected communities. I mean, we've been a little bit slow. We're not frontline responders. We're kind of the ones that come in um, afterwards. But we know that our programs work in terms of shifting to despair mm. into empowered action. And so we've just launched a fundraising appeal to um, – get us out working with all the communities, with young people in all the communities that have been impacted so severely by bushfire and we invite um, people to support us. And you can see it on Chuffed or if you look on our Ausgreen Facebook page, um, there's a link there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sue Lennox, uh, New South Wales Senior Australian of the Year. You can find out more about the work of Ausgreen at ausgreen.org. And uh, once again, congratulations on uh, such a... Important work that you're doing, but uh, also the title of New South Wales Senior Australian of the Year. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. And, of course, it's OZ Green, Oz Green. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> Oz Green. Lovely to talk to you guys. You too. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.